Hello and welcome to the Eurotrips podcast. Whilst this week you aren't getting my Italian accent, this week what you are getting is a returning guest. We have back Alex. How are you, mate? I'm all right. I'm all right. I've just seen Sevilla score against West Ham on my other screen. They just scored now, they? Yeah, I think from a corner, it looks like. Um, oh. I'll provide further info when I get a moment, but I am back, yes. I'm yeah, in my you... course and um, I'm, um, managed to find a bit of time to come back on for a bit. Yeah, good to have you on. Um, and also, along with Alex, we do have uh, our usuals in Ryan and Naeem. How are you, boys? All good here, mate. Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Great stuff, great stuff. One person that isn't here is Jonathan, but let's hear from him now as he gives us his Bundesliga roundup. It was another interesting week in the Bundesliga. Um, Wolfsburg beat Union Berlin 1-0 due to a Taiwo Alani own goal. Big win for Wolfsburg as they still try and climb their way out of those sort of bottom table teams um, and try and secure their place for another season in the Bundesliga. With that much talent, I think they'll squeak by in the end. But a big three points to take away from and up and down Berlin's side who, who seem to either be scoring a lot or, or can't seem to score a goal to save their lives. Not a good win for Berlin in their quest for Europe. Bochum beat Firth um, in a tie for two teams who got promoted from last year's campaign. Um, it just shows how, how different these two teams are. They only won 2-1, to one, but Bochum are looking... Pretty much like they're going to stay up. They sit 11th in the table at 32 points at the moment. Um, and they're ahead of teams like Wolfsburg, Mönchengladbach, Augsburg, Armenia, Hertha. So Bochum are, are surprising everybody. And they're looking pretty stellar. And they're looking like they got a great chance to survive for another season. Frankfurt beat Hertha Berlin 4-1. Wasn't even close. Um, I mean, Hertha at this point. I mean, I, I don't know if there's much much left to do. Um, they just fired their sporting director, not Freddie Bobich, but another guy at the club who's who's been helping to run things. They sit at 23 points now, so that's one clear of Stuttgart, who are in second to last place, um, and they are desperately hanging on by a thread um, to secure a place in next year's Bundesliga First Division. I'm not sure if they're going to do it. They they really lack a lot of help on the back line, um, and they don't seem to have enough goal-scoring proudness going forward in order to keep up this play. I actually think Stuttgart might squeak them in the end. Um, you know, Stuttgart, especially them, they had a major, major win this past this past week. They beat Gladbach 3-2. It was another, you know, blown lead for Gladbach. Was they had it in the bag, they were up 2-0 in the 38th minute. Watua Endo scored. Um, and then Sasha Kalajic in the end finished it off, finished off the comeback for Stuttgart as they scored three straight goals to win to win by one and actually secured the full three points for the first time in, in quite a while. So that's a big win for them. Um, and just another terrible loss for Gladbach. Looks like their coach, Adi Hooter, has COVID now. Uh, a bunch of teams are really struggling with covid um, in the league, the Mainz Dortmund game got called off because of COVID. This week, Freiburg's had a bunch of inconclusive tests. Uh, Bielefeld's coach has COVID. They have a couple players um, out as well, so it'll be interesting to follow that out. As you know, in a, about a week or so, the Bundesliga is back to having full and packed stadiums, which is 
great to see. And that atmosphere is going to be uh, amazing again. We've missed it so, so much. Leipzig tied with Freiburg 1-1. A very intriguing game. You know, Freiburg looked like they were going to secure all three points. And then and Helinho in the 90th minute scored a winner and put one past Mark Flecken. Um, I guess not scored a winner as they, as they tied. And he shared a point 1-1 in the end. But... Um, a great performance for Freiburg. They've never won away at Leipzig before. Um, they were so, so close. Ermadin Demirovic, it was nice to see him on the score sheet as he's sort of been behind Lucas Hurler for quite a while now and, and was given the start and uh, put, a, put a good one away there. But that's a big point that Leipzig was able to save. And Freiburg can't be too disappointed with a point there. Um, away at Leipzig, that's an extremely difficult contest. And, and they're doing what they need to do to stay in that conversation for for Europe and maybe somehow fourth place Champions League. Um, maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, but they're only two points away of Hoffenheim, who are on 43, Leipzig and Feinberger in fifth and sixth, respectively, at 41 points. Bayern tied with Leverkusen, 1-1 this week. Um, sort of a surprising result. Thomas Müller had his first own goal in the Bundesliga um, in the first half there. Nicolas Sule scored the goal for Bayern. And, you know, I thought this was going to be a one of those 4-3 Bayern-Leverkusen classics. Did not turn out to be that. Both teams had lots of opportunities. Um, you know, after the game, some, some Bayern fans were upset with some of Nagelman's you know, tactics, they didn't feel like they were good enough. I mean, Upa Meccano made one terrible mistake passing the ball back to Manuel Neuer. He's, you know, it's been a common theme for him this season, it feels like. So something he needs to work on. Um, and people midweek were saying Bayern is going to lose to Salzburg in the Champions League. You know, they almost lost that first leg. And it seemed like the majority of people were thinking Salzburg was going to nip them in the end, especially after that performance this past weekend. But of course not. The machine revved its engine. It was back. And Bayern destroyed Salzburg 7-1. Lewandowski hat-trick. Two penalties in that hat-trick, but uh, still a hat-trick nonetheless. Played great. Got himself a great opportunities. And yeah, Bayern, Bayern looked like a new team all of a sudden. Uh, they play Hoffenheim this weekend, so that'll be an interesting contest uh, with two Champions League caliber sides. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned if I was a Bayern fan. Um, I, you know, I try and get some reinforcements for that back line this summer. I know that Sule's gone uh, to Dortmund. You know, Hernandez has been pretty solid. Bubba Meccano is, is hit and miss here and there. Um, so get some reinforcements in the mi midfield as well, especially if Tolisso does end up leaving and he's and he's injury prone, prone anyways. And Marcel Sabitzer as well has not really, you know, done uh, what most people thought he would do on his on his way over from Leipzig. He was a Bayern fan growing up, but um, has yet to record a goal or an assist in a Bayern shirt. Um, and I know the the brass at Bayern have been a little disappointed with him as. You know, he was so good for Leipzig for, for a few years there, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if they move on from him this summer or how many reinforcements they do bring into that midfield, but midfield and defense could use some fresh, fresh blood. Uh, Hoffenheim beat Cologne 1-0. Big win for them as they continue, 
their trek towards either that fourth Champions League spot or Europa League place. But that pretty much does it for the Bundesliga this week. Um, next week, we've got Hoffenheim, Bayern, Freiburg versus Wolfsburg. Some good matchups coming. Hopefully, these COVID cases with some of these teams don't hamper these clubs too much, and we'll have another good week. But that's been pretty much it for this past week. And thank you, Jonathan. So, um, as ever, we will review all of the leagues. We've just reviewed Bundesliga. We might as well go back to Alex, as he's been away for so long. So, Alex, what's been happening in, in Ligue 1 since you've been gone? I feel like there's only really one place to go, isn't there, guys? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no hesitation. All right. Le Parisien, PSG, probably their worst week in the Guitari era. Um, yeah, it's... Well, we'll start the weekend. They played Christophe Gaultier's niece, who, by the way, Gaultier, side note, what a manager. He's unbeaten against PSG at least since 2019. And he's played, I think, seven games against them around that, or maybe maybe five games against them. And he's drawn like half of them, won the other half. Well done to him. Uh, if Take the hint, Nice beat PSG at the weekend 1-0. Again, it was a typically boring game where PSG were against a deep defence and they couldn't unlock them. And a last-minute winner came along. Then, last night... Uh, as we're recording this, um, wow, uh, <laughs> PSG versus Real Madrid. Is it 2-0 up until the final 20 minutes, and then they've somehow lost the tie 3-2. It's very PSG, and I will say, I think there's clearly a split in discourse. There's a lot online I'm seeing of Pochettino is a horrific manager, how he's let this happen, what a bottler. And there's a lot of, oh, this is PSG's bottle gene. Uh, Pochettino had nothing to do with it, you know, the players, typical, lose their heads, as they always do. And surprise, surprise, I think the truth is somewhere in between. Uh, I think this really is just kind of a summary of everything wrong at PSG at the moment. Messi, Neymar not working up front, Mbappe absolutely carrying them, and he's the player about to leave as his contract's running out, who... I, I now think the mood is so dim at the club. He'd only stay out of like honour and thinking I can I can be the man who leads PSG to glory. Uh, there's reports that Leonardo and Nasser Al Khalifi, I think it was in the ma- the referees report after the game, they basically bullied the ref and didn't let him leave his dressing room. And it's just all blown up in power- PSG's face. And it's a bad look for Lee Gunn because here they are. I think. 13 points clear around about that. Out of Europe, again, they look so far behind the rest of Europe, uh, so far ahead of the rest of France at the moment. So it's been a horrible week for PSG. Yeah, it really has. I mean, that was one of the best games I've seen in some time in the Champions League. That was some game I thought Benzema, I did a tweet about it last night, probably the most underrated player of the generation. He's always delivers and he's always someone that gives so much to the team. But... This argument's come up again, this happens most years when they go out, is that, you know, they're in a league that's very uncompetitive, a league that where they just dominate most years. Do you think that has an impact on the Champions League in terms of, you see all the English teams do well recently, year after year, because they're in such a competitive league, whereas, do you feel like the fact that PSG have no one really, apart from Lille last year, Monaco was 10 years ago now, 9 years ago, whatever it was, they won the league. Um, do you think the fact they've got no competition from the from the from domestic league means that they're gonna they struggle then to replicate that in the Champions League because they haven't really got any practice of any big games? Do you think that's got an impact on PSG's Champions League form? 
I think it's I think it's a factor con- to consider, of course. Like it's logical, it makes sense, but it's not like it shouldn't be a considerable factor because if anything, there's less competition with PSG than there was with Juventus throughout the 2010s and has been with Bayern Munich since 2012. Mm-hmm. Both of those teams went on longer runs of complete and utter domination. Bayern, if anything, have had, had bigger gaps over the second place and they haven't had a team that's pushed them high either of these times. So, And then they've done well in Europe. So even if it is a factor, I don't think it can be blamed completely. I think what should be blamed really is... They've never had a manager who's been perfect or been close to perfect other than Thomas Tuchel. You look back, you've had uh, Laurent Blanc, um, who is now managing the guitar, which I think says a lot about his managerial pedigree. Uh, then they had Unai Emery, who <laughs> I, 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 I could just feed that one to Naim Ryan to tackle his managerial pedigree. And now Pochettino, who is just so such an ill fit for this project that it really even with all this money and even with i think transfers that look gleaming with projects that look like glittering like mbappe he's been great marquinhos i know he didn't have a good night last night but he's always been a good signing for ratty exemplary player it may be possible that psg are actually a bit of an ill-handled mess and that's the bigger reason why they haven't got it going in europe yeah, and I think there's one candidate. He's been linked, he's been linked with the job many a time over the last year. He's someone you know that's a Zidane. Dinizzi Zidane is a perfect person to replace Pochettino because he is someone that's got first of all got European experience in winning Champions League, won it multiple times, and also he's got experience in handling the ego. You look at he's handled Ronaldo and Ramos and Pepe and all these players like that at Real Madrid and won three Champions Leagues, four Champions Leagues he won with them, and then obviously now he's gonna. Um, he was, if he joined PSG, he'd be um, he'd be obviously handling Ramos, handling Messi, handling Di Maria, Neymar, Mbappe if he stays, uh, and all these players like that. So I think that if, if they want to do well in Europe, which obviously it's a clear intention, if they want to do well in Europe, I do think that someone like Dan or someone else who's got that European experience would be absolutely perfect for the role. And I think that that is right. I think that's probably what they are missing is the fact that... Um, they are missing that sort of experience head in Europe. Uh, what do you boys feel, Naeem and Ryan? I mean, watching them, they almost look like a team assembled by a 13-year-old on Football Manager or FIFA. There's, <laughs> ele- there's 11 players in there who look like, you know, they're all world-class players. Of course they are. But do they fit together that well? Not really. They look like, last night especially, in the second half, they just looked like 11 individuals who had never played with each other before kind of thing. And I watched the game against Nice at the weekend. And it's very rare that I've seen Messi, especially that poor. You just watch him. And all I saw him do was he would get the ball. You wouldn't see what he used to do at Barcelona, where he used to run at players and, you know, what these one-touch passes with his teammates and carry on running. All he was doing was side-passing throughout the entire game, either out to Neymar on the wing or out on the other wing to either Di Maria or Draxler, whoever was playing. And I thought, like, why he's not running at these players and he wasn't doing anything that the old Messi used to do. And I couldn't understand why. I mean, 
Neymar is he looked like the most exciting player on the pitch for that game because he was actually trying to take the ball forward. But you can see the vast difference they are without Mbappe because without him, they are quite an average team, I think. And if they don't, they will lose him, I think, in the summer. And if they don't, I don't see how they can replace someone that good without getting... Maybe any if they got Haaland, maybe, but I don't think he he don't want to go there. So this is only good news for the rest of Liga, and I think I think if the likes of Monaco, Nice, Lille, Lyon, Marseille can just add one or two more quality players, then they can start to challenge PSG, I believe, for the title next year because they look bang average in my opinion and. I could actually see a scenario where they try to sign Cristiano Ronaldo. I might be wrong, but he's almost definitely going to try and leave United in the summer. So maybe he, maybe they'll try and do that. Yes, that's the PSG way. But yeah, they they just look so so poor. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know what you think, Naeem, but do you think that someone like Ronaldo? His experience would help having that sort of that head. I know they've got Ramos in the team, but do you think having that head like Ronaldo would help them maybe in Europe? Someone has got experience in Europe, knows the big games. I don't think Neymar's won a Champions League. You know, Mbappe's never been in one Champions League final. Barathe's only been on. A lot of these players PSG have haven't actually got a lot of big experience in the big game. So do you think like Ronaldo or someone of that ilk would would really help help PSG? I think it would help, but. The PSG, there's just too, so much egos there, and you know what Ronaldo's like already. You know he wants to be the, the main man everywhere. So, and I think he's a bit past it now, Ronaldo. Um, I know he's obviously 37, like he's had a good career and whatnot, but I think they need to. I think they just need to go in a different direction, man. Like you can have your superstars and everything, but I don't know. You need to have a balance in the team because when you look at the defense, the defense is it's all right. It's not. I don't really rate Kempembe. He's, I've never really rated him, to be fair. He's, he's average. Um, Marquinhos is good. Um, and and looking at the midfield as well, you know, they've got variety in there. Um, it's, they've got the, the front three is stacked, but, you know, they haven't really got that chemistry, you know, the way Barcelona did, you know, when they had um, MSN, you know, Messi, Suarez and Neymar. But I, th- I don't think they should go for Ronaldo because, you know, he's not getting any younger. Um, you know, the French League... Is, is quite a difficult league anyway, you know. I know PSG do run away with it all the time, but it is quite it is quite a physical league, like uh, like the Premier League. So I think, yeah, they just need to go down a different route, really. But I don't know what route that's going to be. But yeah, I, I, I can't see Ronaldo going there. I, I think it should. Yeah, go on, Ryan. No, the, the the thing is, I mean, they could easily go down a different route because they have one. They have such a good academy. Mm. You look at the players that have come through there over the years. Loads of Kingsley Kerman, uh, Gwendouzi came through their academy. Moussa Dembele, who's obviously Leon, Adrian Rabio, uh, Odson Edouard. You know, these are really, really good players. And they've got good young players there at the moment. The trouble is, they don't give them enough opportunities. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they look elsewhere just for, for superstars. And they're a bit like United at the moment yeah, in terms of, think. yeah, they're just going and paying big sums. And it's not. It's not working for them, and it's not working for United as well. So both clubs need to look. They need to look at Arsenal, and they need to follow our <laughs> our direction. 
that's what there, there's actually there's actually been um, a bit of a push inside PSG fans to promote youngsters because they feel these big players, these big superstars, they're brought in on this money and they don't they don't have that heart for the club. They don't have the understanding, but more importantly, like they don't have that extra sort of ten percent of effort. Whereas mm. the youngsters trying to prove themselves, they're a bit more born and bred Paris. So there's a push for, to play more youngsters because they're more likely to turn out at least more effort-filled performances. And like I was going to say to you, Fru, can you now see why I've been ranting on this podcast for the past five months? Like, can you now see why watching PSG is like watching a team that's been thrown together for the first time ever? Like, Ryan, your, your analogy was great of it's um like a 13-year-old who's picked a team on Football Manager. Can I just tweak that slightly? It's like the game mode on Football Manager where you play a one-off game. And the 13-year-old has picked a team to play together that have no chemistry. It is exactly that. I mean, they've got a youngster there now, um, Xavi Simons. And he's someone who's been like labelled the next Xavi, the next Messi, all this other stuff as well. And he's someone that I think I remember being linked with moves away because... He's got. He hasn't got left. Left long left on his contract. It's out. It's out, It's done this year, I believe. So that'd be another massive loss because he he's a special youngster as well. So it just makes you question what's sort of going on. And, and and you you always hear controversy as well in the background from you know obviously Leonardo is their sporting director or whatever he is, and you know obviously the owners as well. It's never seems to be calm behind the scenes either at PSG so the best thing they could do in my opinion is something that they've tried to do I think in the past and try and lure Arsene Wenger from FIFA not as the manager but as someone in charge of the whole kind of thing as a sporting director kind of thing just to steady things a little bit and get someone a good coach either a good young coach or you know maybe they you know could rival United for Eric Ten Hag or even getting Zidane, Zidane who they could definitely get but you know, they need to definitely change things up and they need to look at that different route like Naeem said Yeah and um, of course PSG lost to Madrid um, so we're going to head to La Liga next but before we do that um, it's time for a little quiz for all of you today um, who is the only player to score a World Cup hat-trick using all three goals using his entire no, scoring all three goals with his entire left foot. So, any of you know the answer to this question? Um, R nine Ronaldo. No, um, I would guess a World Cup hat trick. You say he's the only player in the World Cup history to score a hat trick in a World Cup game, uh, and every goal, all three goals, were with his left foot. I will give you a clue. It was in 2014, and it was a country from Europe he scored for against a team not from Europe. Oh, oh, oh! Hang on, it's going to be a German. Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> um, not Griezmann, is it? No. Is it a Spaniard? <sighs> it is not. Um, if I give him nationality, I would give it away. So I am. Um, I would avoid giving. Give, you that give us the club he played for at the time. Oh, that's a good point. Actually, <laughs> for the time, I've got a feeling it was Bayern Munich. Robin. No. King, Kingsley Coleman? No. Rebury? No. Oh my goodness. Sane? No. And he's what not I German? Do, 
I will give you time to think of the answer and come up with yeah. any more guesses. We will re- reveal it at the end of the podcast. Yeah, but... let me let me figure out the answer. Give me a second to figure that one out. Thank you. <laughs> does, does that method include the word Google? <laughs> uh, no, Bing actually. Is this fair? Oh, you can't cheat, mate. And I know, I know I can't I can't help. I can't stop you doing it. But um... okay, I'll resist. I'll resist. Yeah. What I'll do, I will give little 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 nuggets for every league, and then I will have it at the end. Um, so we did mention it. Real Madrid did beat PSG last last night in the Champions League. So what's been happening in their domestic league the last seven days now? Yeah, so not too much to report on. But kicking off this weekend, we had Deportivo taking on Sevilla. They're obviously nineteenth um, at the moment in the league. Um, they're trying to obviously trying to trying to survive in the league. They actually managed to get a nil-nil draw at home against Sevilla. Um, this actually is Sevilla's fourth straight-away draw. So, yeah, I, I can't see them winning their league now. They're um, obviously eight points behind Real Madrid, and they obviously away from home. Yeah, they they are struggling to pick up pick up a win. So, yeah, they um they've got to be careful because uh, Barcelona and Atletico Madrid are red hot on their tail. So. That was the first game this weekend. That was a valuable point for Deportivo in their bid to survive in the league. Um, Osasuna, uh, they took on Villarreal on the Saturday. They uh, went, ran out 1-0 winners, Osasuna, thanks to Chimia Villa's only goal of the game. Uh, it's their first defeat in five games for Villarreal. Um, they were on a good little run there, but it's just... They just managed to obviously just have a little shock defeat there, but obviously Osasuna are 11th in the league, so... They're trying to push up, um, see how far they can uh, rise up in the table. Espanyol, they took on Getafe. They got their first win of the year, Espanyol, um, winning 2-0. With, that, with scoring the only shot of the game. And obviously Eric Cabaco of Getafe scored an own goal. Um, so yeah, the, the run before their first win in 2022 consisted of four defeats and three draws. So vital points there for Espanyol. Valencia beat Granada 3-1. Goals came from Guedes, Gomez and Soler to to seal the win for them. Granada, the only team in the league so far this year to not register a win. Um, Yeah, they're hovering above the relegation zones. Uh, They're only one point from safety now, actually. So, yeah, they've really taken a a nosedive so far this year. So, they've got to be careful. Otherwise, they might might um, end up in those relegation spots. Real Madrid, they took on uh, Real Sociedad. Real Sociedad actually did go up 1-0 in the first half, uh, in the 10th in the minute, thanks to a penalty from Mikel Oyazabal. But two goals before half-time from Camavinga and Luka Modric made it 2-1. In the second half, it was all Real Madrid. They had all the chances. Real Sociedad didn't even have any shots in the second half, so the only shot they did have in the whole game was their goal from the penalty spot. Benzema, he converted from the penalty spot before... Uh, Marco Asensio rounded off the scoring, so they won 4-1 there. Cadiz, obviously they're in the relegation zone as well. They beat Rayo Vallecano 2-0 as well. And obviously Rayo Vallecano, they have lost the last five games in a row. And obviously they started off well in the first half of the season, but yeah, they're starting to obviously slowly fall down in the table. But I think they should be safe, but you never know. They if they got they got to start winning soon if they you know if they want to stay in the league for the uh, another season. Elche, they took on Barcelona. 
Uh, they actually went down 1-0 Barcelona. They had to come back from behind to beat them 2-1. The first goal of the game came from Fidel uh, before the half-time spot. Half-time sub, Ferran Torres, he scored 15 minutes after coming on. He had quite a few chances to score more than one goal, but he, did, he only got the one goal in the end. The game did look like it was actually going to end in a 1-1 draw, but Memphis Depay, he did score from the penalty spot not too long after not too long sorry before the final whistle uh, was meant to have gone uh, sending the goalkeeper the wrong way uh, the foul was from Antonio Barragan he handled the ball in the penalty area it was silly because the ball wasn't going anywhere and yeah he obviously when he looks back on the replay he did move his arm to obviously hit off to go for a, a corner kick uh, Celta, Celta Vigo, they took on Mallorca. Um, obviously, this game had the most goals of the weekend. It ended 4-3 in the end. Yeah, the game had everything. It had own goals, red card, red card in the game. It had two late penalties. Uh, to obviously, uh, Mallorca made it 3-3 free free, uh, in the 87th minute. But in the 97th minute, uh, Iago Aspas, after scoring... The first, uh, obviously, his scoring in the second half. He made it. He made it four three, and they ran out four three winners. Both penalties were from handballs, and obviously, Mallorca they're going to be uh, a bit annoyed that they didn't get uh, come away with a point after scoring three goals. And then the last two games of the weekend, Athletic Club they took on bottom side Levante, um, who had obviously been unbeaten in the last three games, but they. They lost 3-1 in the end. And obviously, Athletic Club, they're trying to push for the European spots because they haven't been in Europe since the 16-17 season. So, they're looking to try and try and sneak in there in the last uh, half of the season. And then, Real Betis, they took on Atletico Madrid. They lost 3-1. Jao Felix scored a brace and Thomas Lamar scored his first goal in the league in 11 games. So, yeah, not too much really did happen. Not too much shots. But, yeah, I think... The most exciting thing so far this season is probably going to be the relegation spot because there's only really so from 16 spot to 19 spot there's only there's only four points in there so obviously um, bottom of the table is Levante with 18 points Deportivo on 22 points Cadiz their 18th with 24 points they're unbeaten in the last four games uh, Granada who I said hadn't won a game so far in 2022 they're on 25 points and obviously Mallorca who are uh, dropping down in there, they're on 26 points. So, yeah, in, in the, on the top half of the table, Real Sociedad, they're sixth with, on 44 points. Real Betis, they're, they're fifth with 46 points. Athletic Home Madrid are fourth on 48, same with Barcelona, who are third on 48 points. Uh, Sevilla, they're on 55 points, and still leading the way is Real Madrid on 63 points. So, they are now eight points in front of Sevilla. So, yeah, I reckon. Yeah, they'll they'll probably wrap up uh, another La Liga win. So yeah, that's quick roundup of the La Liga games this weekend. I'll just quickly just go through uh, the Spanish teams in the European competition. So as obviously we mentioned before, Real Madrid they beat PSG three one. They won three two on aggregate in, in the end. Obviously Benzema got a hat trick in the Europa League yesterday. We had Real Betis. They took on Eintracht Frankfurt. They lost three one in the first leg. Sevilla, obviously they're currently 1-0 up at the moment against West Ham, thanks to Munir. And then at 8 o'clock, so not too uh, long after now, uh, Barcelona taking on Galatasaray. 
So yeah, that's a quick roundup of what's going on in Spain. Fantastic. Um, more clues on this player. So he is a Champions League winner, a Bundesliga winner, and a Premier League winner. He won the Premier League not so long ago, and he left the Premier League in the summer, just gone. Has anyone got any more guesses? Can you repeat that, please? So this player has won a Champions League, he's won a Premier League, and he's won a Bundesliga, and he's not far. He only left the Premier League in the summer, just gone. Trying to think, is it a City player? Not, oh, go on. No, it's it's not a German player, is it? No, and he has been relegated oh. as well. Relegated. relegated. So he's been both relegated and and won the Premier League. Uh, he's both won the Premier League and been relegated. And he only oh, left. Oh wait, is it? Oh no, it's, oh, I thought it was Andre Schürrle. No, no, <laughs> not German. Well, Fulham, and they, 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 this this player's also got a hat trick. What is this career? Yeah, it, it, and it's quite. When I think about it, it's actually quite a weird career. Um, I mean, and at Bayern. He's been. A, Bayern. I, will, I will say all these leagues he's won. He's not actually been a massive factor in these Premier League wins and Champions League I, wins and Bundesliga wins. But he's been involved in the squads. And I know who it is. Who is it? Hang on. Uh, oh, I know. It's. I'm pretty sure I know who he's played for. It's Go not on. the one who played for Eric. Cheaper Motang. No, because he's no. not European. That's who oh. I was on my mind as well. That's my mind as well. Give us all, we, we all get one guess, I guess, at this round. Yeah, so, so give me one more guess, and then we'll give you your final clues after the final league. Oh, shit. There you go. Okay. Prem- so they've got a hat-trick at a World Cup for a European team against a South American team. They play for Bayern. I think they're South American. I, I, my geography's terrible. I, I know they're definitely not European. Um, well, if, it, if it's Saudi Arabia, I'm, I'm, I'm coming okay, back well, to you. The, the country is Honduras. <laughs> Honduras. Okay. Yeah, uh, Honduras. Hmm. All right, and uh, but they were at Bayern Munich, and they they are um, a Premier League team. They've won a Premier League and a Bundesliga, and they've also been relegated. And they only left the Premier League last year. Uh, yeah. So twenty, the summer of twenty twenty one. Yeah. December December of twenty twenty one. No, the summer of twenty twenty one. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Shitting hell, and they've been relegated. <laughs> God, um, I, I do have to throw one out there, don't I? Um, Go on. It's 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 uh, a oh um the other uh, NASA Chadley. Nope. Ryan <laughs> Naim, what are your guesses? Uh, Ryan, did... Ryan had his guess. Ryan had his guess. Yeah. Oh yeah, he did actually. Yeah. So Naim, give me one more guess before we go on to um the Premier League. You said they won. A... Uh, Premier League of City. Well, you said they left. Um... I, I, I didn't say Man City. I didn't say Man City. Uh, Shakiri? I don't know. Bang on, he's got oh, it. No. Oh, wow. that makes perfect sense. Are you sure you didn't use Google? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember that. Yeah, it was for Switzerland in the 2014 World Cup against Honduras. Yeah. So won the Champions League as Bayern Munich, banned the Bundesliga for that matter, and also won the Premier League with Liverpool. Oh, yeah, oh my god! In my head, I was thinking Thiago, so I was sort That's of on the right lines in terms of Bayern and Liverpool. Oh. Also, before we do do go on the Premier League, it's our second instalment of Who Who Am I? So obviously, we brought you the quote from two weeks ago when Roy Keane his quote was about watching um, Sing Two. So, which former Premier League player gave us this quote in the last seven days? When Jurgen Klopp came into the Premier League, they liked to play Gangnam style football. Oh, I remember that quote as well. Oh, I said, why? 
Can you give us a clue? Is it a player or a manager? Um, he is a former player. He is now a pundit. Um, and he was, he, he was, his main playing career was in the mid noughties I'd say. I'm going to... Jamie Carragher. Nope. Danny Murphy? Nope. Paul, Paul it's Mason. been a while since he played. No, Paul <laughs> Mason. So the answer was Stephen Warnock on, I think it was Match of the Day Football Focus or something like that. He did say <laughs> when Jurgen Klopp came to the Premier League, they liked, they liked to play Gangnam-style football. Jesus <laughs> but let's head to the Premier League. So... Um, in the last seven days, on the Saturday, last Saturday, uh, Leicester beat Leeds 1-0 in Jesse Marsh's first game in charge, with Harvey Barnes getting the only goal. Aston Villa got a full no win against Southampton, with goals from Ollie Watkins, Douglas Louise, Danny Ings and Philippe Coutinho. Chelsea won 4-0, with two goals from Kai Havertz, a goal from Christian Pulisic and a goal from Rhys James. Newcastle, their form continues with a 2-1 win at home to Brighton, goals from Ryan Fraser and Fabian Sharp, as well as a consolation from Lewis Dunk. Brentford got a well-needed win. They won 3-1 at Norwich. A hat-trick from Ivan Tony, including two from the spot, as well as a goal from Timo Pukki. Uh, Paris got a 2-0 win away at Molyneux against Wolves, with goals from Mateta and Wilfred Zaha. And Liverpool got a nervy win against West Ham on the Saturday evening kickoff with a 1-0 win, thanks to Sadio Mane. Now Sunday, um, saw Arsenal beat Watford 3-2 in a thriller. A wonder goal from Chucho Martinez was then met with goals from Bakaya Saka, Martinelli and Udegaard, as well as um, Musa Sissoko for Watford. And then Man City beat Man U 4-1 in their Manchester derby. Um, they got the lead through Kevin De Bruyne before an equaliser from Jadon Sancho against his former club before goals from De Bruyne and a further two from Riyad Mahrez killed the game off. And then on Monday, Spurs won 5-0 against Everton to compound the Blue Harvard Merseyside's woes with two goals from Harry Kane, a goal from Youngman Son and a goal from Regalon as well as an own goal from Michael Keane. There are four games on starting literally right now as Norwich face Chelsea, Southampton face Newcastle, Wolves play Watford and Leeds play Aston Villa. Now, let's head to our final league, which features an old Premier League player getting a really important goal in the title race. So, Ryan, what's been happening the last seven days in Syria? Well, um, last two weeks, we had surprise results, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And we kicked off proceedings on this Friday night. Not a surprise result. Inter Milan, they won emphatically at home to Salernitana. 5-0. Natalo Martinez netting a hat-trick. Edin Dzeko, he got a couple of goals as well. So a good start to the title race for the weekend. Did it continue, though? <laughs> kind of. Because the other two title protagonists... Napoli and Milan, they took on each other, actually, in Naples on Sunday evening. The Rosanelli coming out, won their winners in a massive, massive win. Obviously, you just mentioned there, Oli Giroud, who always pops up with important goals, unless it's for Arsenal. Uh, he scored just after <laughs> half-time, um, as Milan took the three points. They held on very well. Elsewhere, Juventus, they continued their decent form with a one-nil win over Spezia. Both Roma and Lazio picked up wins as well. Sassuolo, they put four past a struggling Venezia side. And then, obviously, going into Europe, Inter, they were knocked out even after beating Liverpool at Anfield, with Liverpool going through 2-1 winners on aggregate. Oi, oi. I, felt, 
I, I, I felt in actually played very well in that game. And although Liverpool did hit the post a couple of times, if Alexis had not got sent off, and I don't don't, and I think it was a harsh red card, I think Inter would have got another goal, and it could have made it a little bit interesting. But we will never know. Obviously, Juve they play next week against uh, Villarreal. That game obviously is still in the balance. Uh, tonight in the Europa League, we have Atalanta. They host by Leverkusen in the round of 16. Roma, they're away to Dutch side of the Tess, also known as Chelsea Under-18s in the Europa Conference League. Yeah. And really, that, that's, that sums up everything going on in Italy at the moment. I mean, the table has AC Milan still at the top. Obviously, they now leapfrog Napoli, who actually go down to third place after their defeat. Inter sit between them two points behind AC Milan. So they do win that game in hand. They'll go top by a point. But, you know, we all know games in hand don't mean a lot. So it's still definitely all to play for. Obviously, Cagliari, they, they were in a good run of you know, form. They had five games unbeaten. But they, they lost at the weekend uh, to Lazio, in fact. So it's starting to be a little bit of a gap down at the bottom. Obviously, Vanessa, they've been in poor form lately. So they're now occupying the 18th and final relegation spot. But again, they do have, crucially, their game in hand on the teams above them, Cagliari, Spezia and Sampdoria. So they can definitely pull those three teams into that sort of fight with them. But it'll be interesting. But a good statistic for you all. Ooh, go on. I have the worst disciplined team with the most red cards and then the most ill-disciplined team overall from all five European leagues. One of them is from my league, Fiorentina, who have had the most red cards out of any team in the top five European leagues this season with eight red cards in the league. Eight? Bloody hell. I assumed it would be Arsenal. Yeah. Arsenal actually only have three. Roma, they have seven. But... The most ill-disciplined team in European football is from Nimes League, Valencia, who <laughs> have had 92 yellow cards and six red cards this season alone. I think Naim will be able to answer why as, the, as to who their manager is. <laughs> Honestly, that, that, that stunned me, that many yellow cards. I mean... And, and actually, Real Madrid are the only Spanish team to not have a single red card this season. Wow. And, and they've also got the least yellow cards with 50. So some, some interesting uh, statistics in there for you all. I did have one. I, I did have one on Arsenal, which I was going to actually mention before. But they are actually the least nutmeg team in the Premier League this season. That is a start and a half. That is... How do you, you find that one? That's really impressive. Just, it just popped up on my Twitter feed. Um, United are the next least. They suffered 17 at Megs this season. You wow, suffered the wow. most, though, I didn't say. It didn't say who suffered. They, they also, you know, Arsenal are actually the least dribble pass team in the Premier League, too. That's why we pay big money for Ben White. <laughs> Benjamin, actually. I, I, think, I think it's by quite a distance as well. Like The Nutmegs, I believe, they've been nutmegged three times. And the next most nutmeg team in the Premier League has been least nutmeg team has been nutmeg seventeen times. 
So it's, yeah. it's a really big difference. You'd have to imagine that the most nutmeg team is definitely Norwich. Try to check. <laughs> they are. Let me check. Let me check. Any any other guesses? Any other guesses? Ooh, I'm gonna get go, well Premier League teams. Yes, Premier League I'm, teams. I'm gonna go for Southampton. Southampton, go for, nine. Go for Watford. So Watford, Southampton, and Norwich. Okay. Well, the most nutmegged team in the Premier League, I'll do per ninety, is Leeds United. I followed. was going to say Leeds. I was going to say Leeds. Actually. Followed, followed by Everton. And <laughs> then Burnley. And then where did Chelsea? Chelsea? Oh, yeah. It's Burnley, how, you know, how Sean Dice likes to play. I'm surprised Burnley are down there. but um... Chelsea might not be a Premier League team much longer. So <laughs> Yeah, that's something you haven't mentioned, actually. That's something I did forget to mention. Obviously, that has been used today um, of... Obviously, all the stuff going on in the current world situation. And, of course, Chelsea owner Abramovich has been had all his assets seized, which means he can't sell the club. And other things mean that he can't, they can't sell tickets. They clearly sell it to season ticket holders. And they can't sell from the club shop, I believe. Uh, I know three have dropped them as a sponsor. Um, and I don't think they can even... I don't think even the hotel next to the stadium can even make any bookings now. So it's tough times for them. And also, there's now the three players, obviously, Rudiger... Uh, Aspilicueta and Christensen all being linked with moves away uh, with their contracts ending. They can't actually renew their contract under the current situation. So it is a massive mess at Chelsea. And I, I think it's... Um... Hang on. Ooh, hang I, want to check, I want to check their kit as well. Um, Brian might be doing the same thing. Uh, no, I was just looking from the violin. That was all. <laughs> well, and, uh, I finally, I finally have, so my perspective was, this whole thing, um, was that like this is uh, oh wow it's all terrible but it, it will like every sort of football financial crisis it will be blown over yep. and it will it, but the thing that's made it real today um and i can't actually I, I'll, I'll go i'll go latest but the thing that made it real was that free quickly suspended their sponsorship of the kit and i believe chelsea have had to go out sports direct with, yeah, oh, I, I, some there are still comments saying that um, they still has free on the kit, but I imagine at the weekend uh, they'll have to just wear a plain blue kit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they have scored actually early on. Trevor Chalobah, one of Alex's favourite players, has got the goal three minutes in with a Mason Mount assist for all you FPL players out there. Um, but they yeah, are playing Norwich to be fair. Yeah, I mean annoyingly I've got Rudiger on my team. He's not even playing this game, so I'm looking forward. Is Jorginho playing? Points. He is, yes. Um, they got God. they got says they got Saul playing left mid, which is um like left wing back or something. Yeah, they got as for the equator playing right wing back, and then <laughs> have Havertz up front with Lukaku on the bench and Kante on the bench for that matter. But I suppose with the games coming thick and fast at the moment for Chelsea, mm. I can see why maybe they've rested a few players. I don't again. think one of the worst I think, teams. I don't think people realise though. I think some people think, oh, that's, it's, it, it will just blow over, but I don't think many of. Yeah realise the gravity of the situation and the fact that they could genuinely go into administration. Nah, I think, a re- that, that, I, I, I think it actually means it's going to be a massive bidding war now because yeah, from what I heard was that the reason it won't, the sale won't go through before is because Roman Abramovich... We have, we have to disconnect the Abramovich, why he's being sanctioned, and the Abramovich owner of Chelsea, which I think we can all agree, as a purely as an owner of Chelsea, he's actually been pretty mm. good. And I think what's... Yeah, what's been reflected there, from what I heard at least was that 
he only wanted to sell the club to an owner who he knew would pump like money into the team as well. Like, he wouldn't be like the Glazers, and he was charging quite a decent price for it. But now, effectively, Abramovich can ask for literally nothing. So someone, <laughs> it, I, I believe someone could get Chelsea, I think, as a cut price fee. So I, from from what I understand, from what I read, he he can't physically sell it. The UK government could sell it on behalf of him, but he would receive no money whatsoever, and he would also have to write off 1.5... Uh, yeah, he, he was already, he was already going to do that. Yeah, he was, already, was he? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I think I, I think he it was in a public statement. He said that I don't. I'll, I, I, I'll write it off. I think I think he he might have been willing to do that. Would he be willing to write off the three the two to three billion what Chelsea is worth? I don't personally. Believe I mean, so I w- I am now quoting my dad in conversation, but this feels accurate. When I asked him about it a week ago, he said, "Quote: Roman Abramovich is absolutely shitting himself." Because in fairness, it does seem like that he either goes against Putin and comes out against him, which probably means he gets suicided in a flat, mm-hmm. or he backs Putin and or he backs Putin and gets sanctioned. I think he's he's just trying to stay silent, and the government are kind of forcing his hand a bit. And this, this is why he bought Chelsea in the first place. This is why most people in his position, where they've made their money in a very dodgy way. That's why they buy clubs. It's called sport washing. And he bought it to put himself into the limelight, into the spotlight. And basically, he knew by buying them and making himself well-known that he was almost untouchable from Putin and from other people within Russia as well. You know, this is why you got, you know, Saudi Arabia, they've just bought Newcastle and Manchester City owners as well. They've all got dodgy pasts. And, for me, this is it was beautiful waking up to it this morning. I have no sympathy for Chelsea or him whatsoever. I think he's poisonous for what he done to English football. You know, he benefited Chelsea, didn't benefit anybody else. And it's the only time that I agreed with someone on Talksport, Simon Jordan. He he he, he Yeah, had, absolutely spot he's absolutely spot on. He was absolutely I, I listened to that as well and it was just like yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan. I, th- I think he's someone I think often, like, like Roy Keane, often, I think, often speaks a lot of sense. And I think mm-hmm. with this, he was bang on. I think he was just, everything you're saying was just so right because it is it was the case. But looking here, just the owners that who could buy Chelsea, there's a few names being linked. There's been um, Todd Bolly or Hans-Jorg Viss. Um, Bolly has got stakes in the LA Dodgers, LA Sparks, LA Lakers. Um, he's a chairman and chief executive of investing firm Eldridge Industries, as well as Swiss billionaire Hans Orgwiss. It's a founder of Syntheth, a medical device manufacturer. <laughs> um, there's also Woody Johnson, who is a New York Jets owner. There is Vivek Randavik. He is an Indian-American businessman who owns this NBA team Sacramento Kings. Um, Tom Ricketts, the Chicago Cubs owner, has been linked with a move. Um, Turkish businessman Mushin Bayrak has been linked with a move. Um, also, Nick Candy, who is a British billionaire and property owner. Um, That's your favourite Con- one because he's got a name you can pronounce, right? <laughs> <laughs> Next one, Conor McGregor. <laughs> Fucking uh, hell. Um, so yeah, I, can we get I, a? Re- can we just get a? Please, a brief recap. The first billionaire you mentioned. What was the business they owned? Was it Synthus? Um <laughs> It was Synthus, <laughs> a medical device manufacturer. And also wow. the guy who was the Jets, Woody Johnson, is also the owner of Johnson and Johnson. So um, 
Yeah. I mean, I know I know nothing about these owners, but all I hope is that the one with the most difficult names to pronounce owned a club. So next time we film the podcast, you have to pronounce their names. <laughs> That's all I hope for. Well, come on. I want either Woody Johnson, Tom Ricketts, or Nick Candy to get the job for that thing. <laughs> Brexit. <laughs> Brexit. It's quite evident that whoever gets it, though, they're not going to be as well off as Roman Abramovich. No. They're not going to be pumping as much money into think... Chelsea. So this is... This is a glorious day for the other 19 Premier League clubs. <laughs> I mean, you, I wouldn't speak too soon because what happens if like some absolutely massive fucking tech tycoon, tycoon comes in wow. and pumps even more money? I, 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 this is what I'm cautious to say. Is that possible? Too soon. I mean, the weird thing about Chelsea, even though they could be at cut price, like they're still like European world champs. They're still a massive mm-hmm. asset. So, oh, yeah. Whoever, yeah, whoever gets them like... And they're in London as well, which is also... It's a massive thing, isn't it? It's yeah, a massive thing. Yeah, it to a lot of people. Yeah, this is why I'm like... It, it, I think... Not necessarily all blow over. Like, I think Abramovich is clear now. He, he's selling, but I think there's a possibility an owner comes in and not much changes. So that's why I'm, I'm hesitant to say anything too yeah. soon. It's just the fact that this is in place until, at the very least, the end of May, which means, obviously, they're going to lose so much money in the meantime... And obviously, they're going to lose those three players that we. I mean, if they, if they get bought before then, the, those sanctions go. Mm, it's, a, it's a big year if you know what the UK government is like. It takes yeah, yeah. I mean, I think years. we close this by saying um, the funniest thing about all of this is that to all the Chelsea fans I saw online who said Ronan Barrage is really smart. He's he's put our, he's mm. put the the stewardship of the club. Uh, in tr- in a trust in the Chelsea Trust, which means if the government go to sanction Chelsea, then they can say we're a charity, you can't do anything. And Boris Johnson heard that and he said, "Lol." Right, do what I want. But before we do go, uh, we have some good exciting news for you. First of all, all you YouTube watchers of ours, I did head to a game between Crawley Town and Bristol Rovers on Tuesday on a university field trip. So do check that out on our channel if you want to watch that vlog. But the more exciting news is that as of next Sunday, me, Ryan and Naeem are all going to be in France. As we watch, first of all, on the Sunday at 12 o'clock, we'll watch Monaco against PSG. Oh, I'm jealous. The same day at 7.45, we'll head to Marseille and watch Marseille play Nice. So, in terms oh. of the channel on YouTube, <laughs> do check it out. Fuck all of you! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it myself. I mean, I'm someone, I've, I've got a big exam on the on the Thursday or Friday and then literally head into the France that weekend. So, I'm looking forward to, I think, in our Paris. Airbnbs in Monte Carlo, isn't it? Our Airbnbs in Monte Carlo. So, that's mm-hmm. going to be good to experience Monaco, which is something I've always wanted to do. And then Marseille will be nice as well. So in fairness, to really promote that vlog to everyone listening, I really would go and watch it to see them go to Marseille versus Nice. Because if you remember, does anyone remember the last time what, uh, yeah, Marseille played Nice? <laughs> so, oh, was it that game? Was that game? Yes, yeah, so if if one of you comes back missing a leg, uh, that will really will be good for the clickbait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take them off on a team. <laughs> I mean, if if um, you know, if if um, next week Ryan's not on the podcast, we know he just got he's in he's been detained in some French prison for getting involved in the scraps, <laughs> throwing a water bottle at Dimitri Payet. <laughs> yeah, well, it's shopping. like some like it's like it's like when Dizzy's there, and he wants to like have a go at him for not being like, <laughs> <in> the <laughs> Yeah, we've got beefing in him, so 
Oh, oh, you longhead prick! <laughs> <laughs> I don't any, like him. Is there any ex-Spurs players in, in in this game? I think not. Um, um, no. uh, you're you're not watching Leon. You would have seen Don Dumbello. Ah, uh, yes, yes, true. Mm, yeah. um, he, he's more of an agent, though, isn't he? He went there and done awful and went back to Leon. So I, I don't, I don't mind him. <laughs> you probably, you probably shake his hand and say, "Well done, thank you for destabilising that team." Is that like um, Agent Rafa, Everton? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I, I always laugh at that fact that obviously he sold Digney and then got sacked a week later, and obviously Villa to the Mons. I think that's a real inside job from Gerard and Gerard and Benitez taking one of, one of their best players, and um, you know, didn't didn't they sign El Ghazi and all? Yeah, they did. <laughs> I think he's part of the deal. I think. I think El Ghazi went the one way, and then he went the other way. So I think. Wow. Has he even played? No, I don't think he has. No, I think he's on the bench. When I watched yeah. him play one game, I think he's on the bench. But um, I might as well have stayed at Aston Villa if he's not going to play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how much choice he had in that. I'm sure Gerald maybe thought, "Oh, you're not good enough to get rid of you." But um, but yeah, either way, not. But I'm not too upset about that. I mean, it's all, always good seeing that club in the mud. But um, but yeah. <laughs> We will go on. Um, so that is the end of our podcast for this week. So thank you all for listening and do check out our YouTube at it before and like and subscribe and spread the word if you can as well. I have been your host, Andy. This has been Alex. This has been Ryan. This has been Naeem. And we will see you next time. Later, guys. Bye-bye.